There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. Welcome back to the Des Bishop Podcast. It's Des here. I'm in Miami. And I'm not trying to make you jealous. I'm just in Miami. And uh, it's Friday morning, early, pre-7 o'clock, watching the, I guess, close to the tropics sunrise. It's pretty relatively bright already, pre-7 o'clock. Great to escape the winter. Down here with a good buddy of mine. I'm not boasting. It just, I'm being honest about where I am. And I'm also being honest about the fact that I am not leaving a Friday go without putting an episode up. Now, in saying that, I flew back from Dublin on Saturday afternoon after doing the Late Late, which was great. Um, But, you know, it was like a big emotional upheaval. The stress and the nerves of leading up to the Late Late. And then um, the sort of elation, relief, social media interaction that comes afterwards it's all like pretty full-on and then I, I was on a plane within 12 hours of like walking off the late late certainly within within 12 and a half hours you know i was like taking off at 11 o'clock on a delta flight and uh so it was all it, it was all a big woof uh thing so anyway th- that all happened and I was back in New York uh, doing a few shows, getting organized, doing like real life stuff. Like I had to renew my car registration, um, got to re-sign up for Obamacare. Um, anyway, I didn't mean to bore you with the uh, the mundanity of, of my last week. It was not my intention. How can I be getting into that? I'm sitting looking out over North Miami and I've somehow started to bore you guys with talking about how Obamacare works. So I'm sorry about that. The real reason why we're here is, first of all, I'm introducing something I recorded yesterday. Uh, yesterday morning early before I took the flight, which was my like, was, was like a, sort of Trump rant number two on this podcast. Uh, oh, the whole, the whole reason I was actually telling you the mundanities was was that I you know I didn't get organized enough to to do an interview, so it's just me. You know, which I think is okay. That that happens sometimes, uh, but um, that was that was how that all started. So, in the interim, uh, yesterday I recorded like a Trump rant because I was motivated by watching the impeachment hearings, uh, which was just a real insight into how divided American politics was, and that's recorded. So I'm glad that I recorded that yesterday morning because I don't know what I have been as confident ranting about Trump had I seen the results of the British election. And the 
the British election is, I mean, there's a lot to talk about, right? The difference is that I'm not as confident in my opinions about the British election because, you know, I've been in the States more since Brexit. And I come back to Ireland a lot, obviously, but I never feel like I've I've uh, engaged as much as I should have in Brexit because I I naively thought that at some stage there would be some sort of remain uh, you know there would be some sort of like just gentle shift towards remain in the public sentiment that would manifest itself in one of the elections and I was completely wrong which uh, is clear as day from uh what I'm reading this morning and when I, you know, when I woke up, I mean, I knew when I went to bed last night that, uh, it was a landslide for Boris Johnson and it just, I mean, it, it actually, I, I did not like Jeremy Corbyn. I'm, I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm, I'm definitely left leaning with, with my politics, but I'm like, I'm like 44 and I own a house and I've got all the things that sort of that sort of pull you away from the radical left. <laughs> you know, I've, I've all those things that make you realize that life is a little more nuanced than idealistic positions, which I'm not ashamed to say. And I was pretty idealistic in my 20s. Um, I'd like to say that I put that idealism to action at times uh, in my work. And I, I certainly, I don't, I have no shame for some of the, the you know, ideals that I have because I still believe that social democracy is the best form of modern, you know, uh, capitalistic governance, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I, I still believe that, uh, it's important to have a, a commitment to consistently investing in society. You know, I always think of the, the co-op life, in, in New York, you guys wouldn't be that familiar with it, but it's an ownership structure that's slightly different to the traditional apartment ownership structure that, you know, you guys listening would be used to, which is you buy an apartment in Dublin, you buy an apartment in Cork, you buy an apartment in Galway. Essentially, you're buying a little square in the sky. You own that little piece of the sky and there's a nominal maintenance fee. There's a nominal sort of, uh, you know, just... Uh, maintenance costs for the upkeep of the building which in Ireland are very low um, but it's basically just to look after those hallways and those parking lots and the different things that are communal uh, I do think long term that those fees are going to rise exponentially because people completely underestimate how much it costs to run these things but in Ireland there's really very little on the sort of people who own apartments getting involved in the long-term future of the building and the decision-making that goes with it and perhaps, uh, you know, just how the public space is, is going to be used. There's not as much of air rights issues and just various different complexities that come with, um, you know, intense population density. So long story short, a co-op in New York, which by the way, I own one and my mother uh, has died so now i also own with my brothers another one which we're trying to figure out what to do with and uh they are you own shares in the cooperative and those shares are 
uh, represented in uh, your apartment, I guess, you know, but they're, they're really a number, but obviously you, you own your apartment, but really you own the shares, but they can't just turn around and be like, sorry, your shares are moving to apartment 12D. They can't move you away from your apartment, but you don't own your piece of the sky. You own shares in the company that then allows you to live in 12D. And uh, there is a board and that board, uh, you know, meet consistently and, you know, are elected by the owners, but, you know, they're elected by the people who own shares uh, to run the building. And there are maintenance costs that we all pay into the pot to run that building. And those maintenance costs by Irish standards are very high. So I'm not going to lie. I'm going to tell you the truth about my building in Manhattan. I pay $700 a month maintenance. Maintenance. $700 a month maintenance. Now, I think it, it's too high, but by New York standards, that is very low. And that money is invested in all the upkeep of the co-op. And I have to say, the services are incredible. The services are incredible. You have a problem, you call the 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 maintenance room, you know, the and a handyman will come up and fix it. Uh, we have two uh, public or two private uh, playgrounds, you know, on either side of the of the development. With you know, it's a nice private space. Uh, you can't get access to it unless you live in the building. All that is maintained, and and so on and so on and so on. And those services within the co-op are fucking incredible. And despite the cost, it's so nice to know that you live in a situation where you're being looked after. Now, I know a co-op is a microcosm of society, and it's not fair to compare it because, obviously, within the co-op, we don't have to deal with a ton of people who can't afford health care. <laughs> we don't have to deal with the, the massive, you, you, you know, like the, the, there's no way of comparing the behemoth of governance with, uh, a, a, you know, government of a nation with... Uh, you know, the, 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 the tiny governance of a co-op. But the point is that inherent in the idea of the co-op is the sense that we are all going to invest into this central pot and we are going to get something back in return, right? And within the co-op, obviously, there is not equal use. Some people require more use of those services than others. And that is just kind of the way it is. And in a way, that is my ideal of social democracy, that we all invest into the pot and with that investment we get services in return and despite the unequal use of those services in, in general for the greater good we have a happier society but of course there in my opinion there has been a general shift away from the communal sense of paying into the pot gives you a return and therefore why would i pay into the pot uh, accompanied with that, I think was also, I still to this day think the false equivalence of uh, the more we insist on the wealthier paying into the pot, the worse it will be for the economy. And I still haven't seen uh, a center left party that has been able to connect the pro the the progress, the advancement for all with more of a commitment to the investment into society. And that would be the party that I would be running. A center-left social democratic party that is focused on bringing everybody back 
into the idea that investment into society is better for all of us. And I'm not sure what is going to be the explosion in humanity, or certainly within, within what we call quote-unquote Western democracies, what is going to be the event that shifts people back to believing that that is the answer? And I actually think we're going the opposite way. But in saying all that, I did not think that Corbyn was the answer, despite some of his rhetoric definitely aligning with mine. I did think that his was too much of a throwback to, you know, a, a, you know, a, 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 a time that, you know, people don't look back on with great love for the sort of stagnation of, of the 70s. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think people are too critical of that time. And I do think that uh, a modern trade union movement is actually necessary. All these things, I think, are necessary. But I, I don't feel like he was bringing... I don't think he was bringing the the right energy to that debate. He felt like a throwback rather than a you know a, a, a modernizer, like a mo like like bringing social democracy into the the twenty twenties. He didn't feel like that for me, and he also felt like too uh, cantankerous, you know. Like, I don't know if you remember Joe Higgins. You know, I used to like some of Joe Higgins' policies, even though, he, like, he was too left for me, but the Irish politician Joe Higgins. But he was so fucking miserable all the time. You know, and you always just got the impression that he was never going to agree with you. Now, I know the young people really like Jeremy Corbyn. I, I, I think that's great, but I just didn't like him. I, I just didn't think he was the right answer. And, and I thought it was the worst time for not the right answer in the Labour Party in that, Brexit brought this incredible importance to the last few years, and he was like the absolute wrong guy to offer up an alternative solution to Brexit. And while I know that I have never been aligned with what clearly is the majority of British people, well, English, English people wanting Brexit, and I've never been aligned with their their views, uh, I, I, do, uh, I, I do think that shouldn't be the I don't think the only take from this election result should be Britain clearly wants Brexit I think for me I think it was more Britain clearly wants clarity and Boris Johnson offered the most clarity the most sense of all right let's just fucking get on with it and I I, I don't know if there had been some sort of more sort of center-left alternative coming out of the Labour Party that possibly it wouldn't be the same. Now, I'm completely open to uh, being corrected on that because like I said, this is not my area of expertise. This is just my quick take from a quick glance across the election result. But what I also did think is that Twitter is full of shit. Twitter is not a reflection of society. Twitter is a reflection of Twitter. And Twitter uh, has, has an incredible... I, I feel like Twitter is like a pond. And somebody throws a rock in that fucking pond. And the ripples go out all around the pond. And it feels fucking seismic. And then you realize that actually this pond is fucking tiny. And most people aren't fucking in the pond. 
they're not fucking drinking from the pond. And actually, the flow of water to into this pond and out of this pond is so fucking slow that it's toxic and it's fucking poisonous. And that's fucking Twitter. And it is really a very tiny reflection of human sentiment. And time and time again, it's been way fucking off. More than it's been on. And it's been on sometimes, and some of these Twitter campaigns have been effective for, in a positive way, but more often than not, it's way fucking off. And I was watching Twitter last night, and Youthquake was trending, and, you know, all this sense of this is the time when the youth are going to show their power, you know, electorally, and we're going to have a result that people aren't expecting, a, a result against the polls, like Trump's was. You know, this sense of the polls are wrong, and here come the youth. And the youth were had no effect in that Boris, you know, Labor had the worst result since 1935, and Boris Johnson fucking ran away with it. This buffoon, this fucking meme, this joke on Twitter, only two days before, he, you know, he's fucking hiding in a fridge, the, you know? And the hope that you saw in these youthquake hashtags, I mean, literally, you will look at Twitter and you literally thought you were witnessing a youth revolution from the electorate. And it was virtually nothing. Nothing. But yet it dominated Twitter. And it wasn't just youthquake hashtag. It was hashtag general election 2019, hashtag UK election. It was all full of this fucking, you know, youth optimism and listen i'm optimistic for the youth i i I hope that the statistics show that there was a way a way greater uh percentage of young people that came out and voted like i i would love that but the truth is that twitter amplifies what twitter wants but that amplification you know acoustically gets drowned out in the fucking real world those sound waves aren't getting as far as people think and that's not to say that I, 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 I agree with uh, mainstream opinion or, I, or I'm happy with the way that uh, mainstream political trends seem to be heading because some of them, to me, seem a little bit dangerous. On the flip side, I don't think that people should think that a landslide victory for the conservative party in the UK is the same as uh, you know, some of the further right uh, governments that have gotten it in Europe and certainly the the sort of love for Donald Trump. I, you know, I don't think that they're the same thing. You know, and I think that people compare Boris Johnson and Trump, but that, first of all, it's, it's not a fair comparison because I, I don't like Boris Johnson. I, I think he is, I really do think he is a buffoon, but I, I, I don't think he's as much of a buffoon as people make out. And number two, he's quite an experienced politician. He'd been in the game a long time. You know, he's been the mayor of London. He's been in the Conservative Party a long time and he's been an MP for a long time. So as critical as I would be of Boris Johnson and who he is and what he represents and his lack of fear for dropping uh, a touch of racism or xenophobia or uh you know you know just just a you know general what we would consider non-progressive comments he, he's not afraid to drop them once or twice but you can't you can't say that he's a fucking radical right-wing guy he's not he's just like a slightly eccentric conservative and they didn't just fucking show up they've been around for a long time you know and so i don't think it's like a tragic result actually because 
even I, 44-year-old white guy with no real stake in the game other than my concern about the North, which I'll discuss in a sec, even I was just like, you know what? It's a fucking relief. Let's just get on with it. Let's just get rid of Corbin. Let's 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 begin to find uh, a new opposition, like a new focus from the opposition on how to take on the complexities of Brexit and what the future is for the UK because it's important for Ireland. Even I was just like, all right, the clarity is almost like a relief. Even though I was, I would I was definitely disappointed uh, with the result, especially after being sort of brought in by Twitter. And again, you know, I wasn't like, I was 50-50 on if Corbyn had pulled off some fucking miraculous, some miraculous uh, um, uh, turn of events against what the polls were saying. I, I, I think that's probably deep down what I, what I wanted, even though I wasn't wild about him. And I thought had that happened, that there would be, I, I wasn't sure how good he would be as a leader. On the flip side, I, 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 not on the flip side, but certainly in, with all that being said, I, I, I did sort of, I was curious to see if this youth quake was going to have a real effect. Uh, but I also felt a, tw- a, a hint of relief that at least now the result was clear. You know, the result was now clear and fucking Brexit. Now, I'm not a Brexit fan. Shit, man, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, I'm not a globalist like these fucking conspiracy theories bang out. But, you know, I, I, I'm an international guy. I grew up in the States. I was educated in Ireland, but I've also lived in China. And I've seen the benefits of globalization. And I am of the opinion that globalization needs to be reformed. You know, how the benefits of globalization have been distributed. I feel that they do need to be reformed but I don't feel like we need to fucking revert into protectionism and, uh, you know, nationalistic patriotism to to combat uh, globalization. I just think we need to reform it because, you know, uh, uh, open trade doesn't always have to mean that has negative repercussions. It just, we need to make sure that we constantly reevaluate the rules and regulations that go with it but unfortunately we've we sort of ended up in this fucking anti-trade sentiment which i you know i don't think is good for the world personally because i've seen for every you know for every angry factory worker uh in in northern england or in wisconsin in the united states there is a fucking middle class family in in china or in in india or for that matter there's a fucking tech worker in Sandyford industrial estate that has fucking benefited from that, you know? So I'm not, I'm, I'm not fucking anti-globalization, you know? I, I, I've been to too many places that have seen the benefit, but I do think that it, it requires massive reform. But unfortunately, that reform has come politically in the sentiment of anti-trade rather than reform. You know, I'm a reformist. I'm a fucking, you know, constantly look to make things better rather than a radical revolutionary. You know, and I know that it, God, we get bored about history now, but I know that revolutions have led to uh, progress in the past. And obviously, I am a keen observer of Irish history. And I have 
worn my heart on my sleeve with my love for the narrative of the Irish revolutionary struggle. Uh, but I don't feel that we are at a stage in human evolution where we require revolution. I actually feel that reform will be more effective. But I feel that humanity might be sort of leaning more towards we're heading towards a revolutionary phase. And, you know, revolution in history is a fucking great narrative. But living through it, 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 it it's not a great story, you know? Um, so I, I, you know, I, I fear for, uh, you know, how divided and, and, and radical people have become. But anyway, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I, I am kind of digressing here. But, but for the record, just on that, I, I have wanted to, and perhaps it's been my own laziness, even though I have pitched this idea at various times over the last 15 years, I have really always wanted to get involved in a project, whether, uh, you know, a television project, uh, you know, or a web series project, or, or some sort of podcast series, where we try to experience historical events as if they're happening now just to take out the certainty of a historical narrative and how it is played out in hindsight, how it is written in hindsight. I've always wanted to try to get people to experience or get us to experience history in the gray area of its occurrence rather than our post-historical event analysis. Um, like the fucking genius pundits who watch a football match and afterwards talk about all the things that should have happened, which is fantastic in hindsight, you know? And and history is... The history we know is the history of pundits. <laughs> it's the history of people looking at the result and deciding what was good and what was bad. And, I, you know, I love that. Don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, the, the, the simplicity of looking at you know, German aggression in the 30s is, is a simplicity of hindsight, you know? Uh, the simplicity of looking at the tragedy of the Irish famine is a simplicity of hindsight. But obviously, there was a time in, 1940, in 1847 when people were making decisions based on what they thought was good or what they thought was bad or, or, what, or, or their, they made decisions based on their complete, you know, lack of desire to give a fuck about Ireland. You know, whatever the reason was that they made these decisions, uh, they didn't know the results. We know the results. And a global, you know, a, a global changing event, the Irish famine, I think underrated in terms of its fucking, its, its, its ripples. Talking about throwing a fucking stone into a pond. I mean, literally, fucking stone after stone of ship on the fucking oceans, a fucking ripple that is still felt today. You know, affects American elections, affects, uh, you know, Australian elections, affects uh, the, Ireland's fucking, the tiny island of Ireland, you know, with its, 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 its fucking global punch, you know, all affected by the, 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 the decisions that were made in the fucking 1840s, you know, but, uh, you know, so you want to go back into that, into that, you know, Rather than, you know, sort of study the, the seismic effect of the kaplunk of the, the decisions that were made during the famine, you want to actually fucking, you know, be there as these rocks are being thrown. So anyway, I, it's something that I always wanted to do and I, I haven't done it. Uh, 
If anybody in the podcasting world is out there and has access to a budget, Audible, I'm here. I'm here, Audible. So those were my thoughts on the on the British election. Then the other hashtag that rises up as a result of the British election is hashtag United Ireland. Oh, here we go again. We're on the road again. We're on the road again. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it might be coming in United Ireland. You know? Come all ye young rebels and list while I sing For the love of one's country is a terrible thing It banishes fear like the speed of a flame And makes us all part of the patriot game Oh Jesus the goosebumps are rising in me. Mm. As I can feel the beat of the Bauron rise up in my brain. And my spirit plays the fiddle with a pace that it hasn't played in years. Because the DUP didn't get enough votes. And now they're not the largest party in the North. Oh, fuck the DUP. And fuck the woman that leads them. Because she's not a good person. I don't mean it in a misogynist way. I don't mean it in a sexist way. It's nothing to do with the fact she's a woman. I just think she's a bigot. And I'm happy she will go. Oh, come on, fuck the DUP. Oh, fuck the DUP. Now, by the way, I don't mean this in a, uh, in a, in a nationalist way. <laughs> I mean this in a political way when I say fuck the DUP, you know? Um, I get afraid, though, just like before. I'm talking about this radical life. I get afraid, despite growing up with a real desire for a United Ireland and still in my maturity, hoping that one day it will be the case. But my desire for a United Ireland today is not the one that I had when I was 16, arguing with you know, Irish people about whether the IRA was good or bad. My Irish-American fucking green goggles. Uh, but I still desire United Ireland. But obviously, I, I would hope that it would be uh, with everyone, even the people that were against United Ireland, everyone seeing uh, that it was for the benefit of everybody. And now I see hashtag United Ireland and it makes me nervous, very nervous. So just because I fear the fallout, I fear the fallout. And I'm not sure if it's a positive or a negative that one of the first things that we see as a result of the, the good election for Sinn Féin, the SDLP in the North, is that people feel like a United Ireland has to happen because Scotland seems to also not want to have to live with the Brexit repercussions of what the rest of, or certainly what south of them seems to desire. I've always felt like Ireland, you know, like, like, like a united, like the Celtic states would be a great, uh, would be a good, I feel like it would be a good nation. Like a, a kind of a the Celtic states of Scotland and Ireland, 
you know, the Republic of Ireland, northern, you know, the the 26 counties plus the six counties plus Scotland. The fucking, the Celts. Be a fucking good nation. You know, some good cities in there. You know? Dublin, Belfast, Glasgow, Edinburgh. Cork, of course, like, fuck's sake, like, hello? Um, now, guys, listen, I'm just fucking, like, I'm literally just spouting nonsense here. But at the same time, I, I, I feel like there's 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 a certain aspects of the culture that are quite aligned. I am aware that it's a fucking shit show and that unionism would fucking blow a gasket and I, I do not dismiss their desire because it's all about identity and identity is a huge driver and I get it. You know? The the you know, for if 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 literally hundreds of years and generations upon generations have tied their identity to their association with the UK, that's a big pill to swallow however part of that identity is uh scottish presbyterians you know they they i i I, just, I know that they're loyal to the queen but the you know they they traditionally came from scotland a lot of them not not from england and uh i did think that maybe somehow that's more palatable than a united ireland per se but I, it's nonsense i mean really what i do hope is that one day unionists in the north feel that if they could have a strong representation in a united ireland and i, I mean i you know call this a fucking stereotype but i would love that traditionally hard-working fucking you know entrepreneurial unionist spirit i would love that to be injected into uh, a, a desire for a modern island of Ireland, you know? I think all those forces could be put to good use, you know? Because um, the United Ireland doesn't just need good poetry and songs. It needs good fucking business. And I put those fucking prods to work, I'll tell you right now, and fucking drive fucking Ireland into the new, into the, into the modern world fucking take it over fuck England and their fucking backward insular looking ways let fucking a tiny island on the edge of Europe be the fucking island that drives Europe into the future a new progressive Ireland Protestants and Catholics Nigerian immigrants Polish immigrants all of them fucking under the banner of the tricolor, orange and green, and the white in between, fucking driving forward for a better world, prosperity, and creativity. Oh, the children went to school, funded by the government. The women had maternity leave for six months at a time, and the dads had paternity leave just the same amount. And the children felt loved and educated, and the Protestants and the Catholics ran the government, and they never thought about a thing other than who should build the roads and who should fund the 
roads and who should look after the old it's a modern irish rebel song of unification and education irish rebel songs of the future fund 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 sorry all right i think des has gone a little too far with his fucking the fucking that coffee was good bro let me tell you all right, guys, I got to go. I, I think I wanted to talk about more, but I'll just save it. So coming up is a, a rant I did about Trump 24 hours ago. It, it feels fucking, it feels obsolete. I feel like what I've just been talking about is more relevant to us right now. But I'll leave it in. I'll leave it in. And uh, how about, just for the sake of my editing, let me sign off here. I'm going to sign off now. And when this Trump rant finishes, I'm gone. So please, buy tickets to my new show, Me and Mama. I'm an adult orphan. Come and support the adult orphans of the world. Um, it's, uh, you know, a week, a week to go till Christmas, right? Or no, a little bit more, but, you know, buy some Christmas presents. It's a family show. Listen, my show is not going to be sad. And my show is going to be, it's going to be funny, you know? It's going to have a bit of heart to it, but, you know, it's not, it, it, it's my mom died and I was inspired by a lot of that stuff and there is some stuff about death in it but there's really just a lot of funny shit about you know that time in your life and I think the same way that I find it really funny when comedians do jokes about having kids even though I haven't had kids I think you're gonna find a lot of fucking fun in you know uh, what I had to deal with with my mom dying and then obviously there's just a lot of stuff around it that's nothing to do with death you know the digressions and then, actually, what I've decided to do, because content is so important, I've decided to, uh, you know, wow, I just had like a fucking anxiety attack there. Because I, I was just like, holy shit, I haven't looked. I got so lost in the mach- in what I'm saying. I hadn't looked at the fucking podcast thing. The, sorry, this is my Zoom H6. 42 fucking minutes, like, oh my God. I fucking had a heart attack. I swear to God. I just was like, oh my God. I I haven't checked if this thing is fucking recording. Can you imagine if all this fucking shit? <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, sorry. So what I've decided to do with this tour is uh, I've decided to um, do the first half of the show. As a, like I'm warming up myself. And it's going to be just straight stand up about whatever. I'm not going to lean heavily on improv, but I am going to lean more on like topical jokes of the week because I'm going to fucking, I'm filming all those first halves and hopefully if I get like a good like topical joke or a good like improv, I'm going to bang them up online because it's all about the content. So I'm, I'm hoping for like a big content haul from uh, the Mia Mama tour and that'll be going up on Instagram and various different places. Because uh, that is the future of our game. Fucking feed that feed that content machine, baby. So if you're, if you're worried about me and Mama being a bit like morose, I think you're not going to be disappointed because even if you're not into the jokes about my mom's funeral, you are going to like the first half, which is going to be loose and free and open, a lot of crowd work uh, and, and, and stand-up material that I've written, but like more fresh, you know, hot off the press. And maybe every now and then I'll bring back an old old bit, you know, hot off the press. 
improv performing under duress but that's where i always thought i was my best fucking busting out those lyrics with finesse yeah man sometimes i freestyle drives the crowd wow anyway sorry fucking i think one thing this fucking episode is proving i am way too happy in my own company man guess it's just part of who i am maybe i'm lonely or maybe i'm zen maybe i'm both maybe that's part of self-acceptance but right now i'm very comfortable too comfortable talking to no one but i'm not talking to no one i can feel you i can see you spiritually you're there for me so go get some tickets to me and mama buy them for your friends spread the word uh and um when this trump rant ends it's the end of the episode because a lot of time has passed and i gotta get this shit uploaded before my friend wakes up and uh so have a nice day guys enjoy my trump rant i hope you guys are okay with a little solo ep peace 
you know, couples that size down, you know, empty nesters that size down, sell their houses to Chinese people <laughs> for a ton of money and move in here. Although there are some Chinese people in here too. And I don't mean that in any racist way. I just mean that the Flushing Bayside, the general Eastern Queens, Northeastern Queens area is now almost completely Chinese and Korean, majority Chinese, which if you know me at all, you know is a positive because... I uh, speak the old Mandarin, and I'm happy to to practice. But wanted to get an episode up this week, and I can't ignore the frustration in these few days back in the states of just how much of a genius Donald Trump is, and. You guys are going to think that I'm praising Trump, and I, I, am, I am not, other than I am praising the Machiavellian genius <clears throat> of this narcissistic piece of shit. Um, and it, it, it's, it's, it's incredible what he has managed to achieve and how much damage he has managed to do for his own benefit. In such a short space of time. And anyone who says that Donald Trump is an idiot, you know, doesn't... He might be inarticulate. Uh, he might be uh, crass. But he's definitely not an idiot. He has some sort of like, uh, you know, unorthodox genius to just get the whole operation revolving around him. You know, in the past it was benevolent because it was... Well, it wasn't a completely benevolent because obviously people were hurt by him. You know, contractors that didn't get paid, um, women that were harassed, you know, whatever whatever group of people he was, you know, fucking sucking the lifeblood out of for his own benefit, they have been hurt. But it was it was micro stuff, you know? It wasn't macro stuff. And obviously the guy's entertaining, you know? So it worked in terms of The Apprentice. And it worked when I was a kid in the 80s when we sort of looked at this larger than life character uh, of Donald Trump, you know, uh, you know, he's definitely entertaining. But now, as the president of the United States, he, he somehow has managed to sort of move the whole thing in his favor. So I don't even know where to start, because originally, this has actually been bugging me for a couple of weeks, I was thinking, like, can we just like, can we just like, reset here? And remember all the fucked up shit that's gone down. But see, the problem is that there's so much fucked up shit that actually not one of them has any effect. Because it's just one after the other. And it's just a constant talking points. And none of them actually, none of them actually cause a problem. So let's go to the thing that motivated me to talk about this today. Which was yesterday, I was watching these impeachment hearings. And... You know, it's clear as that whether it's worth impeaching him on this or not, it, you know, it's one of so many fucked up things that he's done. And it's clear as day that he was trying to push this Ukrainian leader to, you know, dig up dirt on Joe Biden, which probably was unnecessary because Joe Biden was fading. But, you know, Trump doesn't care. Trump think you know, Trump actually loves the fact that it's like, hey, I'll fucking use the presidential powers to get a sneaky one in on Joe Biden. You know, and 
listen, it's a whole other podcast about the fucking hypocrisy of the of 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 Trump being concerned about nepotism, which which I think the Hunter Biden thing is, by the way, it's just like just dirty nepotism, but not not like not uh, problematic enough that it would stick. It's just like politically ugly, you know, but not illegal. But clearly it's fucking nepotism or, or certainly at, at, its, at its least, it's Hunter Biden taking advantage of his father's position to get himself a nice cushy number, right? Which, you know, if Trump was true to his word about draining the swamp, he'd be fucking, he'd be going after all that shit. But he's the opposite of that because his whole fucking family is benefiting and, and his son-in-law is suddenly one of the top diplomats in the United States. The guy's got no fucking experience whatsoever. So, I mean... He, he he's just one hypocrisy after another. But like, th- this is why it's impossible to talk about Trump because you try to talk about one thing and, and shooting off of that is three other equally career-ending things for any other politician. Any other politician. But let's just start from yesterday. Fucking Jim Jordan on the TV driving me nuts, like ranting and raving about this democratic conspiracy against Trump since the beginning. Since Trump got elected, they're just sore losers. Right. Which is fair enough that you would say the Democrats are going to be constantly coming at Trump. Well, sorry, that was my alarm. I I wish I fucking slept to that alarm. I fucking woke up at four o'clock because I'm still on Irish time. Uh, um, So it's 7 a.m. just in case anybody's wondering, you know, but of course the Democrats are going to come after Trump. I mean, these people have short memories of how fucking hard they came after Obama for eight years. But let's not even, let's, let's, let's just stay focused on this, right? So the Democrats are coming after Trump, maybe sometimes a bit heavy-handed, maybe too quick to lean towards impeachment. But let's remember that there are fucked up things that Trump has been doing from the start, right? So Jim Jordan is sitting there. Of course, he's not talking at all about, you know, Ukraine. He's talking about uh, Peter Strzok and, you know, this, this, this massive conspiracy that's going on in the FBI. Now, can we just talk about the, the worst execution of a conspiracy in the history of America? So, according to these conspiracy theorists, the FBI instigated this investigation against the Trump campaign whatever it was, six months before the election, with this thing in their mind that they would take Trump down no matter what. Because they found a few texts from a few different people that were like anti-Trump. Now we have this new report, the Horowitz Report, and there's 17 errors, 17 uh, you know things that were fucked up about these FISA warrants. And personally, in my opinion, I think if you looked into any investigation you would find discrepancies, which you find every time the fucking Innocent Project goes after uh, uh, somebody on death row who shouldn't be on death row, you find fucking discrepancies. Law enforcement is fucked up. That's a fact, right? But when, law, when, 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 the, when the Central Park Five get fucking exonerated, oh, Trump doesn't accept that law enforcement fucked up. No, he only accepts law enforcement fucked up when it has to do with him, right? But before I get into how Trump's treating the FBI, let's just let's just come back just for two seconds, right? The worst conspiracy of all time. So according to the conspiracy theory, this uh, investigation of the Trump campaign was started illegally, right? Uh, and the idea was to to get Trump. 
this FBI that was so out to get Trump never got the information out to the public that Trump was being investigated for Russia trying to help his campaign, right? Not to mention that it wasn't really a big news story that Russia was actually trying to influence the election. I mean, Obama, I actually think it was after Trump got elected, Obama uh, sent in, you know, I think he like, um, he, he kicked out a few Russian diplomats. Don't quote me on that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm content on being wrong about that. But I know that the stink about Russia being involved in the election was not hanging over uh, the election campaign like Hillary's emails were. Right? Now, all these FBI agents that were desperate for Trump not to win and Hillary to win, those desperate FBI officers didn't leak the information that Trump was being investigated. But a week before the election, they fucking came out and said, oh, it turns out that fucking Wiener and his fucking dirty sexting uh, unveiled some more Hillary emails that we, you know, uh, we didn't know about before. And we need to investigate if they, in fact, uh, were, were, were sensitive and caused the security of the United States to be compromised. Which, of course, again, turned out to be nothing, but it was way too late. Hillary's emails hanging over the fucking election the whole time. And whether you like Hillary or not, it's not important. The point is that the FBI fucking left a stink on Hillary like you wouldn't believe and left no stink on Trump, not a fucking ounce of a stink on Trump. But the great conspiracy is that in the FBI, they're working against Trump. Now, of course, they came after Trump afterwards because what guys like Jim Jordan and all these fucking Republicans moaning and groaning about this great conspiracy against Trump never mention is that the Russia thing was not a hoax. No collusion, perhaps. No direct link to Trump, perhaps. And I, honestly, I don't even think, I don't think, I don't really think Trump was colluding. But I definitely think there was enough fucking stink out there that it was worth investigating. But I definitely think that people that were working with Trump were fucking colluding. And that's why some of them are in jail. But none of these guys fucking mention that. The great Russia hoax that they keep saying over and over. They can't stop saying it enough till it becomes a fact that the whole thing was a hoax. The Mueller report was not a hoax. There are people in fucking jail because of the fucking Mueller report. Because of what those, those people uncovered. There are people in jail. So, so it's that much of a conspiracy that all these people are allowed to be put in jail? And after this Horowitz report, all they can find is 17 errors and like, you know, one, I, I forgot the guy's name, but he, he, he clearly was, uh, you know, a, a little dodgy on the paperwork for the surveillance of Carter Page. That, that, that this, after this, this, you know, inspection of what the FBI did, they find these like discrepancies and the guy, the guy can't, you know, and by the way, this guy Horowitz wasn't, he wasn't hired by, now they say he's an Obama appointee, but he, he, it was, uh, you know, it was during the Trump administration that the, 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 this Horowitz report wasn't commissioned by Obama. This Horowitz report was commissioned while the previous attorney general was there, it was, it was Trump's guy. And of course, they find out that there's no great conspiracy against Trump. Do they accept it? No. They have to go even further, further to discover this great FBI conspiracy to fuck with Trump that led to the FBI saying that Hillary's emails are still fucked up a week before the election and never said a fucking thing about Trump. And I promise you, had that shit come out, that would have been fucking, that would have been bad for Trump. That it turns out that you're fucking using Russia to help you. And I mean, it was clear as day that Russia was trying to help Trump. That's not even debatable. And they don't bring that up. They just say the Russia hoax. They can't even admit. They can't even admit 
that Russia was trying to influence the American election, which is just 100% fact. That, that's just a fact, right? Which brings me to the fact that rather than accept any of this, Trump has been going after the FBI from the beginning, which is unbelievable hypocrisy. You know, a fucking Colin Kaepernick takes a knee to to protest against police violence against black people. And you can agree or disagree with what he did. But there's been real evidence of systemic racism in the American police force. OJ got off because of that fucking bullshit. Yeah, and OJ was a fucking murderer. But that's how fucked up the American police force is, that there's so much fucking racism in it that they couldn't even fucking convict OJ because fucking semi-Nazi Mark Furman is fucking the guy that's involved in the evidence. That's how fucked up the American police force is, and that's one of a gazillion examples. Colin Kaepernick takes a knee, a fucking knee, before a fucking football game, and Trump can't shut up about how horrific Colin Kaepernick is and how horrific Black Lives Matter is. And you don't even you don't even have to look at him Black Lives Matter. Like if Black Lives Matter bothers you, just fucking watch any of these Netflix documentaries about the fucked up shit that the American police force has done against people. And anybody who criticizes that, Trump calls them scum. Trump Trump calls them horrible names, you know? You you know, like constantly praises our law enforcement unless that law enforcement is investigating him. To the point where two or three days ago in Hershey, Pennsylvania, he called the members of the FBI scum, scum. And that's the language he was using for the Central Park Five. You know, they were no angels. What were they doing in there in that thing? He can't even accept that. He can't accept these fucking five innocent black guys that fucking spent half their life in jail. He can't accept that. But he'll he'll throw the whole FBI under the bus because he doesn't like the fact that there was a stink of fucking Russia around him and they looked into it. Right? And the report came out and the report was what it was. That's all it was. All he had to do the whole time the Mueller report was going on was say, yeah, let, let them have a look. I'm not worried. Let them have a look. No, but the whole thing is a conspiracy all the time because he wants that. He wants those talking points all the time, all the time. And in the end, when he doesn't like the Horowitz report, he has to exaggerate what the Horowitz report is saying and then he calls the FBI scum. And then his own FBI director, Christopher Ray, the guy that he fucking appointed, just because he doesn't say, oh, yeah, this this report shows the FBI is bad because he doesn't say that Trump goes after him. Anybody who doesn't agree with Trump, he goes after them. And he has this locked in base that just eat it up. And that's disgusting because it's one of many institutions that he has is trying to turn the American people against, which is all just dictator tactics straight up dictator tactics go back and look into history how people consolidate power for themselves and that's what he's fucking doing whether he knows it or not i don't know i actually don't know if he's aware of the damage he's doing by going after these institutions and that's just the fbi let's not even fucking get into the media and you can complain that there's an anti-trump bias which sometimes there is you know, and by the way, just before I jump onto that, so they found a few fucking texts over the last few years from members of the FBI that didn't like Trump. But you read that fucking Horowitz report, they found a load of texts from people who love Trump. People who love Trump. So you can't fucking bring up everybody's political 
bias in their everyday life. You know, like in Ireland, on the you know, the Irish news is actually a little bit better than American news because we still have broadcasting legislation, which means you have to be a bit more balanced. Which sometimes people complain because certain groups take advantage of that. They give like a false equivalent of one position requiring the exact opposite position, even though, you know, I think it gets abused sometimes, but overall, I think it's good because it forces, well, it tries to force presenters and broadcasters to maintain as much of a neutral position as possible, play the devil's advocate, have different points of view on. And I actually think that we get more nuanced, uh, we get more nuanced news uh, in Ireland and in the UK, actually, uh, than you do over here, which I, you know, I think is healthy for a democracy. Uh, so where was I going with that? Oh yeah. So, uh, as if Pat Kenny or fucking somebody else on, on the radio doesn't have their own fucking views when they're driving home, you know, as if Pat Kenny's not driving home, listening to fucking Joe Duffy, you know, and fucking having like super fucking black and white opinions about a thing. But he's not doing that, you know, when he's got two points of view, you know, talking about organic food or talking about fucking Brexit. You know, he's getting all the points of view. But of course, he's got his own personal opinions. That doesn't mean that he's fucking biased in everything he does. Of course, you can accuse him of bias. But of course, for every fucking biased person on one side there's a biased person on another so if we're going to bring up everybody's fucking personal political views well then nobody can investigate because nobody's neutral so i don't know what fucking utopia trump and and all his fucking minions uh, think exists in the fbi where uh, to be hired you have to be completely neutral had some fucking non-existent education of complete nuance on every fucking issue all your life you know, you never hit by your dad, fucking, you know, rejected by, uh, you know, by a woman. You were never, you know, you were, you were never poor. Your dad was never unemployed. You know, your, your mother wasn't a single mother. You know, you've had nothing in your life that will influence your views. You've had a completely neutral life. Every interaction with every race of people has been positive. Nothing's been negative. Every fucking aspect of your life is completely neutral. And that's... Uh, that's what we're going to find out before you're in the FBI. Lest you should have a fucking personal opinion on your own fucking phone that will later be used against you because the fucking narcissist in chief doesn't like that people consistently, consistently find out that he's fucked up. It's all the time that he's fucked up, you know? And it's so unnecessary because, in actual fact, he, 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 it was set up so nice for him when he got elected. So he gets elected on this energy that brought in Brexit, this anti-establishment. People are sick of the status quo, which is completely understandable. You know, it's the, the hangover from the recession, the, the awareness, the, the, the now clear as day awareness that globalization... Uh, requires like some serious uh, review in that I, I, I'm actually a fan of globalization. You know, I've lived in parts of the world that have seen huge benefits, including Ireland, by the way, huge benefits from globalization. However, like all things, after a certain period of time, you have to step back and say what's working and what's not. 
you know, and we know that the fucking global tax system is not working, you know. We know that certain aspects of trade needed to be updated, you know. Certain balances uh, were sort of leaning too heavily in, in favor of China. All these things uh, required updating. Uh, and he got elected on this promise to do all those things. And in actual fact, he had to, he could have done very little and kept his mouth shut and, and really be like a hero right now. But unfortunately, he doesn't, he doesn't work that way. But what is so amazing is that what he's doing is almost working better than him being a hero because he can ride roughshod over everything that uh, sort of keeps things in checks and balance. And he will actually get the whole Republican Party to support him on that out of their own fear of not getting reelected themselves. So they will stand by and watch him call the FBI scum. And he will stand by. They won't just stand by and watch him completely discredit the media. They'll actually just get right behind him and sing in a chorus that everything is fake news. And everything is not fake news. Some stuff is biased and some stuff is, is more than just biased. It, it is actually false. But that is all media, not just the critical of Trump media. That is uh, Breitbart and, and uh, America One News, worst of all, banging out the fake news, willingly banging out the fake news, and Fox. Now, they're all, they're all using hyperbole. They all have an agenda. But the truth is that way more of the news is actually the news, is actually people reporting fucked up shit that is going on. But because they constantly bang out this conspiracy that everything's anti-Trump, I almost feel like the media now are afraid to be as critical of Trump as they could be. Because despite the fact that it seems like there's this incredible Trump bias, actually, some of the shit he's doing doesn't even get fucking reported. So this week, it came out that he had to pay back fucking money to all these charities that he claimed, because he claimed he was collecting for a charity through the Trump Foundation, but he was actually funding money into his campaign and he was paying for art with it. And he's had to pay that back this week. And he's paid it back. Money that he fucking took from charities. And that's not even news. That is not even news. It's drowned out by the Horowitz report and it's drowned out by uh, uh, the, the impeachment inquiry, the impeachment hearings. It's drowned out by that. I, I personally think that is enough to take down a president, that he fucking... He, he took money from charities and, and, and used them for his own ends. And that just like, that just comes and goes. And that should be like a huge story. But I feel like they've been so effective at making it seem like the media is, is, is Trump biased that because uh, they never stop going on about Trump, it seems like they are. But in actual fact, he never stops feeding it. Sometimes I feel like he knows that he's doing that. Like keep feeding it and then that'll keep, you know, that'll, that'll keep this, uh, this illusion that it's, it's anti-Trump bias. But, you know, he's horrific and they're horrific. You know, the, the people that get behind him and, and just cheer, like they can't be critical. And I mean, it doesn't, we don't have to go all the way back because there's just so much fucked up shit. There's so much stuff that's bad. But can we just go right back to the beginning? Trump's talking about fake news. Like, he literally lied about his crowd size. You know, there's like fucking just pictures everywhere. 
not even close to Obama's crowd, and he just straight up lied about that, couldn't accept it. Anyone who said otherwise is fake news. I mean, it's a straight up lie. It's just a straight up lie. And he can't, you know, and he just keeps saying it to the point where people forget that. You know, like his whole, the, the whole antagonizing relationship between Trump and the media, you know, began with just one lie after another from Trump. Like just relentless lies. All the time, just lies. You know, and, and he can't even, you know, nobody in his cabinet was there at the beginning. You know, if anyone who's critical of him, they just disappear. I mean, he just like, just destroys people. I mean, that, that ambassador, what is it, Maria Yanovich, Yukonovich, you know, he, he just destroyed, and the people that Giuliani, Giuliani's over there right now, and he is in with the dirtiest of the dirty Ukrainians, like, just really dark you know, like, I remember, because I'm too fucking old, I'm 44, I remember the fall of the Iron Curtain, and then in the 90s and 2000s, all the talk of Ukraine was that they just had this black economy that was run by the mafia, and everything was corrupt, and that that is the stink of Ukraine, and the stinkiest of those people are now in cahoots with fucking Giuliani, like literally right now, in cahoots with Giuliani, to try to, you know, make shit up, to make this Ukraine thing not seem uh, like it's basically Trump using a foreign power to help him in a, a domestic election. So they're going to try to make it seem like the whole thing was like a concern about corruption. So they're going to the most corrupt people to find ways to make it seem like Trump cared about corruption, which he clearly did not care about corruption. He didn't care about Ukraine. The whole time he's been trying to change the narrative from Russian collusion and all the other, you know, fucked up shit that Trump has done. All the time he's been trying to change the narrative into this great government conspiracy against Trump, which never sticks because it can't. Because the worst that it is, is, you know, some administrative bullshit that I think any investigation would have because people are lazy, you know, and... You know, one guy will probably have a little bit of bias, be like, fuck this, I want this to get through. I'm a fucking, I'm going to, I'm going to do a little doctoring there. And then straight up, that, that guy should be called up for it. But it's not a grand conspiracy. It's not like a bunch of people in a room together, the deep state, all this fucking nonsense. As if all these people in the deep, quote unquote, deep state. Like, how come there's no right-wing deep state? Like, how come the assumption is that, that the deep state is just people who have some sort of leftish some sort of leftist agenda, you know, as if, as if people who like Donald Trump wouldn't be conspiring. I mean, he, he's the fucking darker figure, you know? We, oh, oh, because it's somehow it's like George Soros is fucking the puppet master for all these so-called deep state people that are so organized, despite any lack of a fucking paper trail of deep state organization, you know? Where's all this fucking organizing happening? And I'm not seeing it. You know, you get isolated incidents of people's bias. But that, you, 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 you want to go fucking bias hunting? Jesus Christ, you, you, you'll find it quick. You know? So, of course, I, of course I have, like, so much more stuff, but I, I can't even fucking keep my thoughts together. There's just too much, you know? There's just too much. It drives me crazy. You know? So I guess I better stop there. I wanted to... I wanted to uh, 
you know, do it while it was fresh on my mind, you know? I mean, he... I, we haven't even got into fucking William Barr. I mean, this guy's the Attorney General, and he's just constantly pushing that there was some... And they go after Comey, and I, you know, whatever. I don't think Comey's, like, the best guy ever. But Comey's the one that fucking hung Hillary out to dry with that fucking press conference a week before. We're looking into fucking Wiener's emails, you know? Whatever about fucking Manafort, Flynn, Roger Stone, all fucking, all done for the fucking bullshit that was going on, you know? They all got done. And trust me, I mean, I'll, I'll happily have another discussion about the stink around Hillary. It's not about that. No, it's not about that. Fucking two wrongs. Don't make a right. It's not even about Trump getting elected. It doesn't even bother me that Trump got elected. You know, it bothers me that he doesn't have, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have the same accountability that any other leader we've had. You know, and they're constantly, they're talking about this fucking dishonesty. Like when you listen to these Republicans ranting and raving at this impeachment hearing about, you know, like the, 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 a president has never been attacked like this in history. The fucking president couldn't stop for years saying that Obama wasn't born in America. A fucking straight up, just like made up thing. And they couldn't even fucking let it go. And his fucking third wife was on The View or some other program, you know, years ago, before, you know, before she was first lady, saying, well, you know, it's not really his birth cert. You know, these fucking people are disgusting. Like loads of politics are disgusting. Left and right are disgusting. But these fucking pigs fucking carrying on like they're the victims. I mean, the fucking untruths that have come out of this guy for 30 fucking years. And, and they have the audacity to sit around and act like somehow he's the victim. He is not a fucking victim. He is a product of his fucking lifetime of lies. It's disgusting. You know? So they impeach him. I, I actually don't think the impeachment's that important, you know? I, I, I don't think... I'd be happy if they didn't impeach him because I don't get. I think it it gives a fuck. You know, he makes up shit. I can't even. I stop reading stuff. I go crazy. He just makes up stuff about people. Like libels them. Doesn't. It doesn't. You know. Doesn't have to answer for it. I think I'm gonna leave you guys because I just can't. I just can't concentrate. But I'm. 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 I'm glad that we. I'm glad that we got this out. I might. I might, uh, I'll come back to it because I'm going to do an intro and an outro tomorrow or tonight. What's today? Thursday. I'll do it tonight. This will be going up Friday. Today's Thursday, right? Yeah, this will be going up tomorrow. And uh, I'll, I'll do an intro and an outro when I'm calmer, you know? And um, then I think we'll take Christmas off, if that's okay with everybody. We'll take Christmas and New Year's off, and we'll be back in January. I know we just got going again, but like in fairness, this is different, because this is Christmas. Um, but there's plenty of old eps. I'm going to have a re-listen. Um, and, uh, well, I'll be back. I I'm talking now like we're ending, but I'll, I'll be back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to this. But it'll be tonight in Florida. I'll be in a better mood. Not so jet-lagged.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.